you're selling Neymar. Dude, I'm the same way, man. Same way. Uh, I saw Harry Kane. I was like, you know what? It's big stage. English players tend to choke on the big stage, especially their forwards. I'm going to back off. I'm going to get Griezmann. Uh, he did okay for me, but I would have loved to see that brace from Harry Kane add up to my World Cup fantasy. What up, what up, everyone? PFC 250, we are in here. World Cup review. The Giants are finally waking up. Match day one for a lot of these uh, Giants were either a loss or a tie or some kind of stumble. But we got the three Lions opening it up. It's coming home, guys. It's coming home. They went 2-1 against Tunisia with a brace from Captain Harry Kane. What are your thoughts, fellas? It only took 91 minutes to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, people, someone made a great point, one of the pundits or one of the commentators, they were saying, you know, people are going to say, oh, they needed Harry Kane to rely on, need to rely on Harry Kane to get this game done. They don't say that about Portugal. When Ronaldo scores three goals, they don't say, oh, we had, they don't care. You have this guy, lean on him all you want. But you need the other guys like Dele Ali and Lingard who missed two, three open clear-cut chances. Um, that really hurt my fantasy also. But you need these guys to step up too. Yeah, for sure, man. I'll never understand. Yeah, England and their media, man, they get so negative. Even in this positive result, I did see some of those articles saying Harry Kane can't do it alone. And obviously... Like, the team knows that. Like, it's not like the tactic was give it to Harry Kane, you know. Like you said, Lingard had, I think, three opportunities in the first 15 minutes of the game. That game could have been four or five nothing by, you know, halftime. And if he puts those away, and there were some special saves from the goalkeeper as well to give him credit. But, I mean, the most important thing I was impressed with was the fiery start that England came out with. I've never, ever seen him come out like that. Usually... They come out in some kind of two-holding mid-pattern. Back in the day with Steven Gerrard and Lampard in some kind of holding. Um, didn't really play too, too, too much, with too much width. Um, but this game, man, there was all kinds of movement. Sterling early in the game had movement. Deli Ali, tricks for days. Lingard, like you said, was in there getting in the mix. And, of course, Captain Harry Kane opens up the scoring uh, with a rebounded tap-in for... Uh, who was it? Was a Stones? Uh, yeah, it was a yeah, Stones John, on the big header. John Stones header, dude. Unbelievable yeah. start for England. I'm not looking at the score. I'm not looking at the stats. <laughs> if you didn't, uh, if you didn't watch the game, you see two one England to Tunisia. You see when England scored. You're thinking England should be worried. The fact of the matter is that they won. We saw Argentina draw. We saw Germany lose. We saw big teams uh, look past the opponents that they're playing. Maybe England did that a little bit, but it's bigger than this team. It's Gareth Southgate. I mean, this guy, he is doing, he's doing a revolution with this team. I know he wasn't the number one fan favorite manager to take over, but even look what he did here for the World Cup. He took the armband away from Henderson, gives it to Harry Kane. Not only, but not only that, <laughs> but those players, they looked over Eric Dyer. He looked over Henderson. Those guys are fully bought in anyways. So they don't care that they gave it to Harry Kane because the the culture that Southgate has brought to England is similar, I believe, to Klopp to Liverpool, where everyone just wants it. There is no bickering. The, the, they are so cohesive that uh, that is what England is going to be. Uh, England is going to be dangerous later look, on. I, I love uh, a little bit, Al. I kind of agree with us. So 
it was interesting fact they dropped that this year Southgate went to the NFL Super Bowl um, and particularly media day. And he had a notepad and paper, so he wasn't there just to watch football, uh, American football. He was there to kind of learn the behind the scenes, how to handle the pressures of that week leading up, or those two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And I think he has taken a psychological approach to this team, and I give him absolute credit for it. Previously, I think the managers would, they were more old school kind of managers where, hey guys, it's on you, show up and play. You know, and I think the players needed more than that. They needed that arm around them like Klopp gives his players, like Pep Guardiola gives his players. And now like Southgate gives these players. These guys are so in tune and so fired up. And maybe personally, they might not like each other. And that's not always important. What's important is the chemistry on that pitch is everyone working towards the same unifying goal. And we saw it against Tunisia, man. Tied at 1-1s. We've seen that historically. England takes a lead. The lead gets pipped back, and now all of a sudden heads are hanging or they're running out of ideas. Tunisia, although they played well, man, England was all over them, dude, all over them with the pressure, the movement, the attacking. Um, I, was, I was very impressed, and they didn't stop attacking until they got that second goal, dude. It was an absolute credit to Southgate for changing this team psychology. Uh, Hussey, as, as you like to say, one game. All right, it's one game. Let's not fly off the handle. All right, you were knocking me down the other day about me pumping teams up. You brought me back down to earth saying one game. Um, I will give Southgate credit for that, though, um, and how he's kind of morphed this team. I will knock him, though, for his formation. You can't – I mean, why are you playing Daniel uh, Raheem Sterling that in an advanced role down the middle? I mean, this isn't Manchester City. I know he could kind of do it for them. Get this guy out wide. Play three up top, man. Play, play Sterling, Harry Kane in the middle, and Rashford on the left, or Lingard on the left, Deli Alley up the middle. Why, why are you playing Sterling? Why are you going with, like, he's not, he's not number 10. Why are you trying to play him as number 10? Yeah, the issue is that they were going with the three at the back, so they went 3-5-2. So you, you have a point where Sterling was a little bit more narrow. So what you're thinking is useless. that they should play a 3-4-3. Three, three. He was useless. Absolutely yeah, useless. Was useless. Put, put another striker up there. Just play two up top. Screw it. Yeah, you already have Ali and Lingard. Yeah, like, there were shots. There were shots for Vardy to come in. There were shots for uh, Rashford. Dude, by the way, Rashford has to start. I don't know who's going to get sacrificed because I think everyone had a decent game. And to Sterling's point, I think if he was playing his position, he would have played better. But the the magic that comes on with this kid, Rashford and uh, what's his name? And uh, oh come on, Loftus Cheek, dude. Yeah, oh my god, dude. As soon as those two came on. That right side of the pitch was owned by England. And it's no coincidence that the corner came from one of those guys' attacks. You know, the corner where Harry Kane got the winning goal. It was unbelievable the last 10 minutes when those two guys were on the pitch. I don't think Southgate made a horrible decision in the, the formation. I see what he was trying to do with Chapier and Young. They can go to the um, they can go more advanced up top. They can swing it in. You have Sterling Kane. Lingard can get in there. Um, Ali, uh, Ali is good in the box. So you could have four players in the box with Trippi on the backside with Young swinging it in. That's not a horrible decision at all because with the three-back, at least Southgate is willing to change. He's not just throwing on names like the, the past England. Why, why are you crossing the ball if Sterling's in the box? What good does that do? 
but Harry Kane, Ali, and then if it drops down, or you can swing it in uh, uh, behind the defense. There's multiple options in that way. I see what he was trying to do. I don't think it's dumb what he did. I think there are definitely corrections they can make. But um, overall, I think they will make the corrections. But leading into the game, I don't think it was a dumb mistake. And to lead into the, the one game, like you said, I fully understand. I do agree. <laughs> I think this is the other way. Where I'm not saying it's one game as in, oh, oh England played so well. It's one game as in, they didn't play so well. I think England is only going to get better from here on out. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they got through, you know, by, you know, pure determination and grit. You know, before, like we said in the past, we just said, you know, heads will drop. Players will go up. They'll accept the 1-1 draw. Then they'll leave Belgium three points on top of the group. They're on one. They're already on the fence. Whether they're going to make it out of the group. Um, but speaking of players being sacrificed for the next game, uh, to make room for either Vardy or Rashford. Uh, looks like Deli Ali is going to miss it with a, a thigh injury, uh, the game against Panama. So he could be out. So that opens up some space in the midfield. If you want to play Lingard there, you know, play Ra- Raheem up top. Play three up top. You Dude, have the best massive teams in the world. It has, to be, it has to be Rashford coming in and shifted to a, some kind of 3-4-3, three, three, man. Especially, look, I know the World Cup, it's been a World Cup of upsets, so you don't want to look at Panama and take them light. But I don't think you need more than two, you know, central midfielders against Panama. And obviously on defense, you'd require them to drop. But if you can get Rashford one-on-one outside and on the other side, Sterling one-on-one outside, and then coming up the middle, Jesse Lingard, dude, it's it's absolutely unbelievable. And obviously Harry Kane up top, but I mean, Jesse Lingard coming up, with those mazy runs down the center of the pitch, that the pace, I think Panama would absolutely struggle with that pace. By the way, uh, underlying factor, X factor, and it wasn't John Stones on that header. It was actually Harry Maguire, the big man himself, who uh, who won that header on target. He ended up getting the assist. But, dude, Harry, uh, Harry Maguire's having a game. This guy, this guy was on Hull City two years ago. Now he's playing in a World Cup final, in the World Cup finals. He was starting for England. Dude, and when I saw that, man, I saw him called up, and I was like, all right, Harry, watching him for uh, he's nice, Leicester. Man. He's, got feet. he's got these – he's a beast. He, and the, he thing is, feet. the thing is, he, he, he had a bit of rawness about him, and I was wondering, my, my reservation with him was, on that big stage, is he going to be a big player? And he answered the questions, man. There were some times where he got a little carried away. Um, dribbling the ball or sometimes trying to be a little too calm. But I think that's also part of Southgate's system of, you know, maintaining possession and using those three center backs to build uh, out of the defense from. But yeah, man, I'm impressed with Harry Maguire. What I'm most impressed by Harry Maguire is the set pieces, man. Him and Kane were getting rugby tackled on every single set piece. And it's kind of poetic that on the one set piece where they decide not to rugby tackle Harry Kane, he scores a buzzer beater. But, man, VAR, I think this is the next challenge for VAR. I'm okay with them wrestling and stuff for now. But at some point, we got to address this problem. Kind of like three or four years ago, people were kind of okay with diving. And, I, and by people, I mean, you know, the, the, the people who were in charge of the game, the refs, you know, would kind of not punish it as much as they do today. So I think the next challenge, man, is to get this VAR and start being stricter on these corner kicks because it's one thing to jostle, and if you're both holding each other and you're wrestling, that's cool. But if you got two arms around the guy and the other guy has his hands in the air, you know, trying to show the ref, hey, this is not a jostling contest, this is a rugby tackle. What, what if one guy just runs over and, like, tackles two 
two defenders. What, what does that even mean? No, just just wondering because we'll be getting into that when we get to Portugal. But uh, so Harry Maguire, uh, this guy is a sneaky 25 years old. Uh, I, I feel like he's just one of those guys that should be like 27, 28 and just randomly came up through a championship, uh, championship team. But at 25 years old, this is a great prospect for top-tier teams in England. First off, he's a good player. And the most important thing as well, because there's so many players coming into England, he's at English players. They have a quota to fill. He would be great uh, on almost any top six team for a defender, I think. Well, not great. I would say good, maybe above average. I could definitely if, – if, if certain people – I could see Arsenal going for him, Liverpool could go for him. I could see Tottenham going for him. Maybe not uh, – Maybe you know what? Even Chelsea maybe. But I don't see United or City, but – that's, I mean, four of the top six teams could very well go. If you, com- if you compare Harry Maguire and Phil Jones, very similar styles of play, uh, minus the uh, footwork that Maguire has over John, uh, Phil Jones, I would almost, I mean, and he needs another season in the Prem, see what he's really got. Uh, Leicester kind of have a horrible defensive record last season, but I think one more season, man, I think I'd rather see him than Phil Jones at this point. I mean, Phil Jones on the way down injury prone i think harry mcguire is like the almost the improved version of phil jones yeah man i agree i agree i didn't see it um until midway through leicester's season and uh west morgan is basically getting replaced with johnny evans they brought in johnny evans from relegated west brom dude Um, you saw us on hull city man this guy was dribbling the ball from half into the into the final third yeah, him and Robertson, man. Him and Robertson that year for Hull City played out of their minds. Um, and they got rewarded with, you know, staying up in the Premier League. Obviously, Robertson got a bigger reward. But still, uh, I 100% agree with you, Al. Stay at Leicester one more year. Let's make sure you're about this life. Um, and after that, man, the, the sky's kind of the limit for him. Again, at, at United, look, it's tough at United because the way Jose wants to play, he wants to build a little bit out of the back or at least take some of that pressure off having Matic to do it um, out of the back. So you're starting to see him looking at center backs who can actually play with their feet. And he can to a certain extent, but he still has that size 13 shoe touch at times. Um, And that could be bad at United. You know, it doesn't take much for the media to turn on you as soon as you struggle at United. I mean, Lukaku had 26 goals in all comps, and there's still questions about if United need another number nine. Um, so it's a big stage for him, but I could definitely see him at Tottenham if Toby leaves. Uh, I could see him coming in there, fitting in nicely. Liverpool the same. Next to Van Dyke, you need some muscle. Um, Van Dyke's more of the brains. Of course, he has muscle, but he's more of the brains kind of guy, the Vidic, uh, the Ferdinand to Maguire's Vidic. Um, but yeah, man, this guy, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. I, I had my doubts about him. I didn't want to be vocal cause, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't see a need to, you know, he, he, he didn't deserve that. All he does is work hard and I'm very happy to see him finding success. And just a real quick touch. I mean, I know we talked about England because we're in the, uh, EPL podcast. I mean, they're a bigger market team, but Tunisia, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the, they got a penalty and that's just another penalty for this world cup. So Next podcast, I'll have the numbers, but it just seems like they're breaking records when it comes down to giving penalties. Yeah, you know why, man? It's because of the VAR. This is how it should have been. I mean, there has yet to be one VAR decision I disagree with. There there are certain situations where I'm like, a VAR should have stepped in, and they didn't. 
you know, like the push uh, on Miranda uh, on Switzerland. When Switzerland got that goal, there was a straight up push. VAR should have stepped in and reversed that. But for the most part, man, this VAR has been nothing but successful. All the penalties I've seen have been legitimate. So I blame it on those scrub defenders playing like it's 1995, you uh, know, trying to knock players out. Can't do that anymore, man. You got to defend with your brains. Um, and we, we'll even see with the Salah penalty that he got uh, for Egypt. Yep, the follow, yep. It was a free kick, VAR, judged to be inside the box. Uh, these small changes in the game that we usually just, oh, it was inside, now it's a free kick, and we just get on with our life. Now it's becoming a reality where they're getting the, the actual calls right. And in this World Cup so far, in 17 games have been played, there's been 10 penalties. And the record for total penalties in the World Cup is 18. Um, so they're projected to get 38 penalties this World Cup the way things are going. So, yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and it's fair, man. I know, I know there are, there's a heavy contingent of people saying, you know, the game is evolving, blah, blah, blah. You're changing our game. But the game's too fast for these human referees, man. And I think at some point also, while well, VAR is there now, I think at some point also they might have an electronic system for offside because it's such a fraction play. And I love that with VAR, the the linesmen, the assistant referees have been instructed to let the play continue. And if a goal occurs, they're going to review it anyway. You yeah, know, we, so we saw that on the uh, the Russia game or the uh, Iran game. It was all, They used VAR for an offside call, Yep, which was crazy. And they got the call right. But in the moment, it was a goal. You know, exactly. it's tied up one one. It was crazy. You know, and you sucks, see, sucks for the Iran guys, but it was crazy to see VAR be that effective in in so many ways, more than just goals or and offsides the, and penalties. Ab absolutely, and the best part of it is that these refs now don't have to worry about being surrounded. You know, and yeah. pushed around like guy we saw with Michael Oliver and Buffon. You know, VAR was available in that game. Michael Oliver could have made a technical decision instead of what seemed to Buffon an emotional decision. You know, so I, I've never been a big fan of refs. I was an attacking player, and I didn't feel protected by refs. But now I, I, I love it, man. These guys are getting the protection they need. They're getting the assist they need from technology. It's, it's beautiful. Well, anywho, it's nothing about England. They take this one 2-1, 90th minute. Harry Kane steps up. Is that a ball spot over there? This episode of the Podcast FC Show is brought to you by Hims, a new wellness brand for men. We've all seen the Wayne Rooney post-hair transplant picture, and many others like it, and we can all agree, not that pretty. Hims looks to avoid this awkward situation by helping to curb your hair loss problems proactively and discreetly. Why wait until you're a cue ball before you decide to make a change in the way you look? Get that hairline from your teenage years back. Hims will help you regain your confidence with the ladies or men without having to undergo any drastical, drastic surgical procedures or dodgy medicines as seen on TV at 3.30 in the morning. The problem is... 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. But when you start to notice it, it's too late. Solution. Go to 4 a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness for men. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims connects you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat hair loss. Well-known equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help keep your hair. No waiting room, no awkward doctor visits, and save hours by going to 4 It's so easy. Answer a few quick questions, doctor will review and prescribe you, and products are shipped directly to your door. No waiting in line, no wait rooms, none of that none of that stuff. Very simple. So, if you order now, our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just five dollars today, right now, while supplies last. 
See your website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. So go to forhims.com slash fcsoccer. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash fcsoccer. Forhims.com slash fcsoccer. Check it out. The team of the group, the dark horse of the tournament, the Red Devils, talking about Belgium, and the one, the only, you listening, Snacks? Romelu <laughs> Lukaku. Beast. You say dark horse? Dark horse. For the tournament. Like, like, the under, like as an underdog? As far as the, the general public is concerned, yes. Uh, they're in top four, top five for a lot of people, I feel like. General public. Yeah. The, you know, people that don't know the game, you know, they're not looking to Belgium to win. They're looking to Brazil, Germany, France, even England they'll look to before Belgium. You know, Mexico. I've looked to Belgium before England. <laughs> What's that? Mexico. Mexico too, man. But yeah, dude, Belgium. <laughs> uh, early great goal, man, from, uh, from Dries Martins, man. Looping shot. So many good goals. Another great goal in this World Cup. Out of nothing, right after halftime. Another chance for the goalie. Um, I, was, I was questioning almost his involvement in this game. You know, Hazard was on the bench. But, I mean, he got that goal. So he, he earned his spot with that goal. And then you got Lukaku coming in with the brace. Um, Kevin De Bruyne playing beautiful balls again through the field. And uh, then this and the second goal from Lukaku, man, just a little chip finish. Just class. Dude, I mean, oh, I think Kazad started, if I'm not mistaken. He did. It was uh, his brother that started on the bench. Oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. It was uh, so good, bro. So good. So good, but he didn't um, field though. He made he made it in for Mertens uh, with an eight third minute. That's what I was looking at. Thorgan. Yeah, Thorgan getting some love, but man. Panama, I applaud the efforts. That, that entire first half, Belgium was looking stagnant. Um, of course, Belgium was enjoying the lion's share of the game, but the, it, there was nothing really going for Belgium. You know, it's not like with uh, England when we saw so many chances and um, goalie pulling saves out of his ass. There wasn't much of that for Panama. They stayed organized. They frustrated uh, Belgium. But unfortunately, you knew once – one goal goes in for Belgium, it's all going to fall apart because then it's going to raise their confidence and they have world-class players on their team and Panama just won't be able to match up. And even worse, you concede a world-class goal. You know, one of the goals of the tournament, even after Merton scored, you saw his face. Like, he was like, holy shit, I might live forever in this <laughs> highlight reel. Um, and after that, obviously, the, the backs were broken of, of Panama. They... They try to keep up, but they kept constantly fouling, arriving to the ball late. So many yellow cards after that goal. Um, they were absolutely frustrated. But yeah, Lukaku, man, gets a brace. And this is also Panama's first appearance in the World Cup you know, in their history. So to keep Belgium nil-nil till halftime, and then after that goal goes in, you know, things, it's just, this is that one goal. You're never really going to get it back. Um, but they showed spirit, man. They only got here because the USA lost. Um, so by, by good fortune, they made, they qualify for the world cup, but great showing great representation for Panama. The Panamanians are fucking pumped. They're happy. And the team did the proud. Yeah, man. Even you could see, uh, during the, uh, the national anthem, some of the players crying, especially the captain, uh, Roman Torres. He was the guy who scored that, that goal that dashed the U S hopes of going to the world cup. Um, that buzzer beater goal he scored in qualifying. If you ask Rivaldo, man, he'll, he'll say that's a sign of weakness if you cried during the national anthem. 
Yeah, look, I mean, I've I've heard that too, and uh, it was it was a hot topic in the 2014 World Cup when uh, Brazil, after every game, um, you know, in the group stage, were just bawling their eyes out. Guys like David Luiz just crying. I think I think that emotions of being in your country, playing for Brazil, which is the most legendary national team in the world, um, got to him. And I think that's part of the reason why that seven seven uh, seven goal game happened to them it's just the stage was too big the, the the event uh was too big for them so you could maybe say the same with panama i think it's a little bit harsh uh the revolto has that stand but it you know there is something well, i'm not to saying it. about panama man panama i can't imagine like no one in your country's history has made it to this point and here you are man i can't like it's goosebump worthy just thinking about it and you're playing against guys you see in the epl the league every week you know and now all of a sudden you're gonna match up with Romelu Lukaku, like, good luck. It's, oh, by the way, the Kevin the Kevin De Bruyne assist on that on that goal, the outside of the boot, Cheryl. Good Lord, Ooh, Lord. Anyone who thinks that was not intentional is a maniac. You clearly haven't watched Kevin De Bruyne all year. That those kind of passes are in his locker. He Good saw breakfast. it before it even happened. But yeah. Panama, I mean, this is a team when they saw Belgium come in, just the power that they had, the strength, the speed, the passing ability, everything was top-notch i i'd be very surprised if panama, panama has ever seen this type of performance in front of them so non concacaf uh, well that's that's true that's true <laughs> I mean, like but then again i mean belgium is just they're so good at the moment um lukaku got the two goals snacks uh he kept coming at us in the in the text messages talking about cr7 how he he uh, said he was going to get the golden boot after the hat trick but you know what lukaku got two there's I could very well see Lukaku still keep form. Uh, Cristiano got that one other one, so we got four. Lukaku is two now, so anything can happen. I think Lukaku will still be in that race to the end. Dude, two sure. goals. Two goals are so great for his confidence too. He got a goal in the last World Cup, but to hit the first game, two goals. I mean, this guy he really thrives off confidence. So, man, dude, anything you you got your big man scoring goals right away. Belgium's in good in good shape. Love and, it, man. And check this out, where Bashwai doesn't even get on the field. I mean, Thorgan Hazard, Chadley are going in before this guy. Chadley's I mean, nice, he, bro. I know. He, he's <laughs> Bashwai, when he went to Chelsea, everything was ruined. I mean, he sat on the bench. He wasted himself. If he went somewhere else where he played week in, week out, I could very well see him, Bashwai, being one of the options coming off the bench. That's yeah, like Mingole, man. You know, he's, he's he went to Liverpool, and now he's not even playing for his national team. You, know? <laughs> you think he's he got ruined? Going over Courtois, hey man, you better beat maybe, him up. Maybe uh, Minule's uh, doing uh, the agent to get Courtois to Liverpool. Mingus, yo, leave my boy Mings alone, dude. Um, but yeah, but Shry finished his uh, his season at Dortmund and it was absolutely world class for them. So I'm hoping his agent is working overtime to make that deal permanent because going back to Chelsea, even if they get a new manager. Those fans, you know, you haven't really won them over. You're kind of going into a semi-hostile uh, environment. But in Germany, he was free to do whatever. They lost the Bamiyang, so there's a hole there to fill, and he filled it nicely for him. So I don't know why he was hey. there. I'm actually, I'm a little surprised you guys haven't given a shout out for someone else that's on the bench. Uh, he used to be with Man United. He's only 23 years old, which I'm actually surprised about. Oh, Yanni, uh, Yanazai. What about him? I, I thought I thought you guys were gonna mention him at all. For oh, just like making the team being on the bench. He's a quality player, man. Uh, 
I don't know about all that. I think he's an okay player, and uh, we'll keep it moving. I'm not going to talk shit about poor Yadnan. Uh, Adnan, he's uh, he's doing his work in Spain. Keep it up, bro. Uh, this group ends, uh, well, doesn't end. After match day one, I should say, Belgium up top on goal difference with three points. England tied with them with three points as well. Tunisia and Panama sitting at the bottom in that order with zero. Next match day two for them is going to be very telling. Um, it's going to be make a break for Panama and Tunisia, so look out for them to come out swinging. Group F, quickly to wrap this one up, we had uh, the other Group F game um, in our previous podcast, and when we recorded it, the second Group F game hadn't been played. The other Group F game was Mexico-Germany, um, upset of the World Cup so far easily. But here we got Sweden uh, beating South Korea one nothing in a and what I felt was a bit of a like a stalemate kind of game. One goal is always going to decide it, and in this game it was a PK. As I was quoted earlier, so many PKs being given out this World Cup, and Sweden was fortunate to have one of them, a legit one too. Dude, but they had their big man from the back come up and take the penalty. The captain, everyone's like, uh, "What was this? Was it John Terry taking this? What is, what is this guy doing? Comes Dude, up and slots it, bro." Drove Great me nuts, penalty. man. I picked up Berg. Uh, Berg in qualifying absolutely killed it for Sweden. Oh, it sucks. <laughs> I was like, oh, PK, this is easy. Berg's going to take nope. it. Who's this lumbering Peter Crouch motherfucker? <laughs> Great goal, though. Great penny. Yeah, yeah. Great penny, man. I can't hate on that. Great penny. And Berg did have his opportunities uh, in this game. I think he had one inside the five, bro. Inside the five. And somehow uh, the South Korean goalie was able to save it. So. He had a couple of big saves this game, man. And I'll give uh, I'll give Tom a shout out for his boy Forsberg, taking shots from all over the place. But he looked lively. He looked awake and dangerous. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up a couple goals as the as the tournament goes on. Well, this is a huge tournament for Forsberg, just because of the, yep. the traction that he's getting in uh, Germany. Uh, we already know that Liverpool. I think Arsenal at one point was looking at him. Uh, this guy, if he has a good. Uh, Better than good performance. He's going to be moving. Not maybe not this summer, but next. Well, well, look. He he came out this week, and you know me. I'm always reading reading the news. He came out. Actually, it was last week, and said he wants out of uh, RB Leipzig. So he put himself on the market. So pressure's on him, man. Um, it depends. Are you going to move to Everton or are you going to move to Liverpool, or Arsenal? And this World Cup is your stage. You get to prove it right here, right now. Uh, to Sweden's credit, man, they were absolutely. Lights out against uh, against South Korea. South Korea had five shots in the entire game, zero on target. Son felt the need to come out after the game and personally apologize to his teammates for taking a nap, basically. I mean, to play 90 minutes and the keeper doesn't make a save once, you're not playing Spain, you're not playing Brazil, you're not playing Germany, you're playing an, e an equal opponent, you know, for the most part and to not register a shot. And Sweden had 15 shots, five on target. So it was absolutely uh, impressive. And uh, we all, we've, we've talked about this before with uh, the South Korean players. This is a huge tournament because there's a chance that they will have to go to the army if they do not perform well. Well, look, look, time out. That is speculation. There is a rule, uh, not a rule, there is a law South Korean males have to serve, I think, before the age of 26 in the military or in some kind of military capacity for two years. I don't think they have this threat over their heads. Look, they might. 
they might, but like just to let fans out there know before you go into your office quoting that Son is going to go serve in the military after this World Cup. We say it in jest, but there is a law saying they have to serve, and I'm sure he's going to work something out to where he can either do it later or serve as some kind of ambassador. Um, I don't think they would pull this guy, their best player, out of the EPL to go serve in the military. Just I think I think it's got to be money. I mean, it's the same thing in Spain when when you hear that players are going to go to jail. They're only going to go to jail if it's a certain amount of months. Uh, then they pay a big fine and they're not going to jail. So I, I, I think the same thing is going to happen with these players, um, especially for some. It's great marketability for the national team in general. So it would be, it'd be dumb for them to take it up because then all these young players that they want to come through the ranks, uh, they, they would have no one to look up to. So he's not going to the, the army, but I could – I won't be surprised if someone on that team is. Yeah, look, they might. Absolutely might. This group wraps up with Sweden and Mexico tied on top. Same exact goal difference. Uh, positive one. Three points on top. Germany, South Korea, Dragon here. Match day two is going to be crazy uh, for Germany. You know they're going to come out swinging. I bet you they wish, as Tom said, uh, they could fly in Leroy Sané right about now. But... I'm not too worried about the Germans. They'll be fine, man. They're, this system is – they'll at least make it out of the group. I don't know if they're going to go as far as we all thought, but I think they'll find a way to make it out of this group. Group A, the hosts. Madarasha. Madarasha out here doing work, man. Eight goals, one conceded in two match days. They beat Egypt and Momo. Three to one here. I think the score could have even been bigger than three to one, man. Russia's system, these guys are executing on a superior level, man. There's no cuteness about it. They have one or two dousters in Golovin. But, man, the way they – it's not even a pack-it-in system. It is kind of sit back and absorb pressure, but it's not – it doesn't seem as negative as some of the other countries who play the system feel. It, it's disciplined. But it's it's very it's pragmatic. It's disciplined, but it's also, you know, they they play forward. You know, they don't they don't they don't shy away from attacking, and they scored some great goals this tournament. Um, uh, uh another goal. He, now he's got three in the tournament, and uh, the big man up top, man, with a great goal, uh, Zuba. This guy hadn't played for Russia in two years. Two years um, he didn't play for the national team. Gets called up to the World Cup squad. Two goals in two games, and that goal he had today, man. Uh, chest trap under the defender slots at home dude this guy's big but he's got some footwork dude i mean this is the kind of guy who will get some kind of contract you know to go to play in germany mid-table club in germany mid-table club in italy uh not italy maybe la liga if his touch is that slick well he fell but, out with mancini at the club level he had to get loaned out for the last six months just to get some play yep, mancini yep. being a dick and so, I think he and I think they said he got uh, four goals in seven games. Six goals in ten. Boom! Thank you for the stat, bro. <laughs> no, that's great. But still, that's that's absolutely that's a crazy strike rate, you know, to fall out with someone and then he goes somewhere and he gets six and ten. That's impressive. And then there was injuries, so that's how he made it in in the end. But let's go rewind to the first goal. Um, Fatty, Fatty, Fatty uh, with the own goal, man. Fatty. Fatty. Dude, it's such a reckless, like, I don't know why these defenders, we see it all the time, even in the EPL, any level of game. The ball's coming for your left, your left foot, use your left foot. Why you reach across your body awkwardly, 
with your your other like the wrong foot, your dominant foot, just to get contact, sends it in his own net. And from that man, that was it for Egypt. Well, they they were trying to say that he got pushed. Uh, he, got, he, he, he got bodied. I don't I don't think he got Not pushed either. at all. I, I think yeah. it's just the 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 size difference. One guy's gigantic, one guy isn't. And you know what? I don't think that defender really used his head on that play. He, they had bad positioning. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it, it wasn't even any push. If I, if I remember correctly, the Russian guy had his hands, like, not up, but, like, his hands away, and Fatih was trying to get into a wrestling contest with him, tugging his jersey, and by the time he looked up, the ball was coming, and he panicked and just swung his right leg at it. It wasn't like they were in a scuffle, they were in a war. I think Fatih was more concerned with his physical presence versus the ball. You know, and it was it was a clear cut on goal. VAR reviewed it, and I, like you're saying, uh, I don't know how you can be professional and not develop your other foot. You should definitely have a favorite foot. That I get. But guy, if, if CR seven can do it, a guy who doesn't need to do it, if he can go left or right, why can't you know a B plus player or C minus player work on their weaker Dude, foot? You're not, even, no you're, not even, you're not even shooting on goal. You're just trying to clear it. That's it. Just contact. You know, you just got to make good contact with the ball, and that's it. So he dug his own grave with that. Mo Salah dug his own grave by being a pussy and uh, coming out for the first game. <laughs> I don't care your shoulder's hurting, man. Franz Beckenbar dislocated his shoulder mid-game, taped him up, send me back on, coach. Dude, this is your first World Cup in 30 years. You may never be back, be back here. Be well, back here. Who, who says that was his decision? Him. I'm saying you sure about that because he was on the bench. He was suited up. You think he wouldn't get on there? I think he would have. I think he should be. I'm like, fine. But I, I, I don't think he, he wanted to start, but I think they totally could have put him on. Yeah, I think to, to Al's point, I'm sort of in, in the middle of you two. I don't think he said, I don't want to play coach. Yeah, but, I'm, not, I'm not saying that either, but the coach obviously always hurt. He's not forcing the play. We'll save him for the later stages if we get there. Now you're even getting out of the group. Yeah, but to Al's point, he should have stomped his feet in the 60th minute or 80th minute and said, coach, I, I got to get in here. I got to get in. But to be fair to them, they lost in it with a, basically a buzzer beat a goal um, as well. So it was kind of, it was dude, a gamble of a tactic. He could have scored. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. He would have, and the system they were playing was that counterattack system booted to the guy up top, hold it up, wait for support. And that's essentially how Liverpool plays, you know, a little more, a little more prettier, but essentially get it up to Firmino, let him hold it off, and he brings Salah Mane into the play, and off they go to the races. So he definitely would have been valuable in that first game, man, even if it ended 0-0. You know, I think him being there as a threat would have caused the other team, the opponent, to be more honest. Yeah, game plan for him. Well, I think there was uh, multiple different things that were wrong for Egypt. First, El Nene was a shadow. He was barely even on the play. Uh, on the pitch, he was he was horrendous. Um, I don't know where you could have put him, but Amar Water. I I I talked about this guy uh, after the first match. He was their best, maybe their second best player. He's a young. Is he, is he the Afro guy? Yes, he's Number the Afro 22. guy. Twenty-two. Yeah, he's he did a not beast, start. Dude. He came on for Elne, and what it was is they pushed Salah more central and put him more to the outside right. In the yep. first game, he was actually. He was on the right side, but he was more central. And then every so often, he would drift over to the left side. He was more of a roaming player. And you saw his foot skills. You saw the ability that he had with passing and moving. That's the type of play you need in that midfield. With Salah pushing up top, I don't know if this Egypt 
uh, manager, Hector, have, have you ever seen a Liverpool match? Anytime that uh, Salah is an out-and-out -out striker, he does worse. He is supposed to be on the outside so he can take on defenders 1v1. And guess what? If they want to double-team him, fine. You're taking two defenders all the way, all the way to the right side. Water yeah. should have been in there, been able to slip the ball through him. This kid, he's he's so good. He, this could have been a breakout player if they had won this game. This kid, if they went to the group uh, past group stages, this kid, I think, has some players knocking on his door. Dude, that's very well that's said. Right. I, was, uh, I, was, I was very impressed with, with Warder. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Egypt knocked out of the World Cup, man. Um, Oopsie, latest Salah. Oh, and uh, the Villarreal, man, uh, Dennis, I uh, can't say his name, the left winger, Cherishev. Cherishev, yeah. yeah. Super sub. I mean, the, he doesn't even start the first match. A guy gets injured. This guy comes on, and he hasn't stopped scoring since. This Unbelievable, guy, the, dude. Yeah, with the winning goal. Uh, yeah, with the winning goal. I mean, yeah, yeah. This wait. is what we talk about, guys, in the World Cup. I mean, you step up, man. You the, the starting striker got hurt. This guy comes on, scores a brace uh, in the first game, and now in this game scores another goal. Like this guy's playing for a contract, man. He's playing for for interest. Even if he doesn't leave his club, he can approach a renegotiation and say, look, I'm getting interest from A, B, C, D, E club. Um, I'm going to need more money for me to stay. It's, it's, I love seeing these guys, man, make names for himself. To that shout, Gullivan, so silky, so technically gifted. He needs to start producing more. I know he got an assist in the first game. He needs to get himself a goal, especially with Russia playing so well. Maybe he might get rested, you know, for that third game. But I know Russia is going for that first place finish in order to get a more favorable draw for the next round. So if he plays, maybe another assist or two. But I'd like to see him get a goal and really set those transfer rumors on fire. Hey, uh, little fun fact: the score is three-one. How many shots on target do you think Russia and Egypt had? You tell me. Three shots and one. <laughs> three uh, shots on target. Three goals. One, goal. one shot on target, one one goal. But like you were saying with uh, Shurishev, man, uh, Artem Zuba, the big man up top, I mean, dude, the Premier League is built on physicality and big guys. I mean, he can come in and be a Peter Crouch for almost any club outside the top six and have dude. an impact. Yeah, I know he's 29, he's getting older, but he doesn't need speed. He's a big, you know, uh, Glenn Murray type player, just bigger. Dude, send him to Glenn Murray's club, bro. Have the two bash bros. We'll have uh, real bash bros. <laughs> oh boy! And uh, um, so, at, w when we did the previews and everything, uh, I talked about this group, and I thought a big factor was the referees on how they would call this, and it proved to be more in favor of Russia. I think they let the physicality come out in this game. There's even I, I can't remember who who it was, but there was a Russian player that just took out an Egypt player right from behind, took out his ankles. Not even a yellow card. I mean, that's I, Putin. I, that's yeah. Putin. I mean, it is, it is. So Russia, you're a strong team. Egypt isn't as strong as you. So I think that definitely went in their favor. Yeah, we'll see um, with the match day three matchup that I'm licking my chops for. Both teams kind of have to go for that first place finish. I'm talking about Uruguay uh, beating Saudi Arabia 1-0. Um, man, I got to say, dude, I know Uruguay is not this expansive team. They're actually quite defensive. They like to lock it down and then knock it up to Cavani and Suarez and let them do their magic. But 
they have been nothing but a snooze fest to watch. Suarez gets his goal, and good for him. Uh, it was off a set piece. But other than that, man, this game was was kind of boring. Dude, they stay missing chances. Uh, uh, I, I said about Uruguay. Um, they do have chances. I mean, they, they, cre- they create enough within the game. But if they keep playing like this, man, they're going to play Russia in the final group game. They're going to get dusted. I mean, maybe 2 nothing, 2-1. But I can easily see Russia more solid, more bounced across the, across the board, taking Uruguay on and knocking down a second place because Uruguay's not really nothing, nothing going for it other than Cavani and Suarez. Well, yes. I wouldn't say that because they have two clean sheets. No goals allowed so far in the tournament. Yeah, against but you look Euro, at against, Euro, against Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And exactly. Yeah, but you look at you look at the way Russia's played those two teams. The cool thing is we can compare the way Russia's played. Russia's played Dominant. a similar tactic to to Uruguay. The difference is when Russia wins the ball, they mean business. When Uruguay wins the ball, there's this weird knocking it around, negative, let's possess, let's lull opponents to sleep. I don't understand why with Suarez and Cavani. When you win the ball, you aren't off to the races, man. And I know those two aren't the fastest in the world, but what I mean is Russia isn't the fastest in the world, but they, as soon as they win it, dude, they're down your throats. Russia put five on the Saudi Arabia team, and you could argue the last two are kind of, uh, their backs are already broken. So let's just say three. Russia put three past Saudi Arabia, comfortable three. It wasn't a very difficult three for Russia to put on. And then they go up against Egypt, and they put on a comfortable three. Uruguay got a buzzer beater, quote unquote, lucky goal against Egypt. That game should have been 0 0. The way both teams played, the fair result would have been 0 0. And of course, fair doesn't matter, results matter. And yes, Uruguay sits with six points tied at the top of the group with Uruguay, uh, with Russia. But I 100% agree with Al, man. You can't bring this bullshit into that game against Russia, especially because they're at home with the, with the refs in their pocket, as you were saying, Hus. Um, you just can't afford to play like this with the kind of quality you have on this team. So when it, when it comes down to these two teams, um, if we're looking ahead to Russia, I'm going to go with class Suarez Cavani uh, you would. in the back. It is what it is, but I mean, I want to see how Suarez and Cavani, they have played in um, tough leagues. They are stronger than the Egyptian uh, players. I want to see if Suarez can get in the heads of the Russian players. I want to see if the no. ref will call. No way, bro. No way, The way the Russians are playing, man, it's a steamroller. This train is going 100 miles an hour. They're not stopping. They're going to wait for them to see what Uruguay has got. 100%. And no offense to Saudi Arabia's goalie. Guy sucks. No offense, dude. <laughs> Oasis. Oasis. Uh, Oasis, dude. I know if, sorry, bro, but you're not good. You know about this life. Fair enough. You don't play in the big league, but dude, that goal came out flapped at it. Uh, in the first game against Russia, he was suspect. Proved it again in this game. But, dude, Uruguay, three shots on target against this guy who was a joke. Against this team, man. I mean, uh, this team like, and this goal. Dude, pepper this guy. You got two of the best strikers in world football. Use them. That's what I'm saying, Al. In that, like, when Uruguay won the ball, I understand they like to keep a defensive shell. But when they won the ball, there was no intent. And this was before there was even the goal scored by Suarez. You know, like, there was just. No, and that was, you know, the first 20 minutes, you could tell that Uruguay was going to try lull them to sleep and catch him for a quick goal. And once they caught him, dude, everything else became negative, dude. Uruguay sucks. I hate watching him. Well, the the, the hard <laughs> part um, with Uruguay, I mean, the defense is pretty good. The keeper, okay. The offense, I mean, the strikers are obviously great. It's the midfield, the center midfielders, the wingers. Can they bring that ball up? wide swing that ball in can they play a through ball 
Uh, it's all the midfield for Uruguay, I believe. That is what's suspect at the moment. Agreed, man. So this, like we said, this group uh, rushes on top by goal difference, tied with Uruguay. Both have six points. Egypt and Saudi Arabia, first teams uh, to be knocked out of this World Cup. Mm -hmm. Mo Salah. I mean, Liverpool fans slash Jurgen Klopp must be rejoicing quietly, you know, because you don't yeah. want to offend your superstar. <clears throat> but he's basically done for the tournament. I don't know if they'll play him that third game. I don't see why they would, especially because he was already coming in limp anyway. So um, they, better, they better play Al Hadri, the 45 year old, and be the oldest man in the World Cup. For sure, man. Give that guy his record, bro. <laughs> uh, but, dude, I, I mean, you got to love when host nations outside of, you know, France and Germany, when for sure teams from outside the big clubs like Russia get to host and they put on a, an absolute show. You know, I mean, there's been no sure maybe Putin's pulling strings or whatever, you know, put money in pockets. But if you watch the games, man, there's no real situation where you can say, oh, that's because of this or that, you know, Russian corruption. Exactly. This was in great football. They deserve to be where they are, man. They can make a serious run for this. Dude, that'd be great. This is a dark horse. I mean, this is an official dark horse here. No one, no one saw these come, uh, these Russians coming. Obviously, I had them going through this group. I had them going through second, which still might happen. But the way they're playing, man, I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the quarters. You know, get out of that round of sixteen game. There's just so much heart and belief, and not to mention they have a whole country behind them. You yeah. know, that it, it it elevates your game to that next level, and they have silk like Gullivan. So. We'll I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the quarters. We'll see what happens against Uruguay, man. That'll be a good benchmark to see what this team is about. You know, if, I've, if they do what I believe they'll do and, and get a victory out of this, then uh, yeah, then they'll then they'll be for real. Even if even a draw would, would see them through in my eyes. For sure, man. For sure. Um, Group H, man. Uh, real quick with this one, dude. I was. We're gonna open up with po uh, Colombia and uh, Japan. I know Poland and Senegal were the with a high ranked uh, opponents, but it was just so painful to see how many Colombians were in the stadium and for them to go two one down to Japan, Carlos Sanchez, what the fuck, bro? Dude, all their own making. All their own making. I mean the penalty was just a joke. Three minutes in, you're down to ten men and you're down a goal. By the way, I have in fantasy, so thanks for that too. Buddy. I saw, I saw that, yeah, dude. I saw him. You had him since match day one. I was like, wow, sneaky pick by L. I didn't know he was that cheap. I was like, this dude is about to get L some at least at least clean sheet points. Nothing, nothing, nothing bro. And dude, then, and it, what kills me is, dude, it's the third minute. Okay, so you go down one nothing in the third minute. You have James Rodriguez on the bench. He has struggling with injury, but he was the player of the World Cup in 2014. You have all kinds of talent on this team with Falcao, you know, experienced veteran. And you decide to handball it in the third minute, bro. Come on. I mean, credit to Crudely meant to handball it or was it just reaction? Dude, you, you tuck that arm down. You like, Obviously, yeah. either subconsciously he meant to do it or he was sloppy. Either way, it's his fault. Yeah. There's no, there was no need for it. You know, I, I feel I feel for him a little bit, honestly, because you're playing three minutes in the World Cup. You're sent out. You get a you get a straight red. So Colombia have to make it out of the groups for him to play again. Uh, still, so was it a good call? Yes, I still feel for that type of situation with that player. Yeah, no, I feel for him, man. I feel for him. I don't think it was a Luis Suarez thing where, like, you know, he straight up put his arms up. But like Alice saying, like, tuck your arm in. I think it was a reflexive, like, make your body bigger kind of thing. I don't think he's intentionally thinking, oh, I'm going to block this with my arm. But at the end of the day, you cost your team the game. And 
and even when they were down to 10, 10 men, one nothing, uh, one nothing down after the Shinji Kagawa, the X Man United legend, <laughs> got the <laughs> PK. It, it, Columbia was still all over a man. If this was eleven v eleven, you got Hamas coming in late into the game. Dude, this could have been a completely different game. I was just so happy to see so many yellow jerseys in those stands, bro. Like every time there was a near miss by by Columbia, the whole stadium would erupt. You would swear this World Cup game was being held in Colombia, dude. I was so pr- it was like the closest I saw was uh Mexico when Mexico was playing. That's the level of travel they had, man. And it was just so sad to see these guys go down. I I personally hate Japan because of this, dude. Like wow. their Colombian fans turned me into an anti-Japan dude for this game, you know. Yeah. And I don't even yeah. have beef. Japan worked hard for it. Oh, they earned it. No, they earned it, dude. They absolutely earned it. But I just all those fans left left that stadium disappointed. And I was like, God damn you, Japanese, for doing this to us. Look, I, was, I was a bit on the same page. I mean, I really like Colombia. I mean, Al knows. I picked Colombia in the FIFA World Cup. Um, in on. The ultimate team, the new World Cup ultimate team. I am Colombian squad. I just, I just like the their type of play. Um, I really thought they had a bit more to give, shall we say? But then again, the red card spoiled everything. I think they're still going to get out of the group. Um, that that penalty shot that Falcao had. That no, that's not good for me. The you you just get nudged off the ball. I know you're looking for it, and. The, no, there was nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. That was, uh, I mean, they were just trying to get back in the game. And, and that commentator, I'm pretty sure it was this game when the free kick, the set piece went in under the wall. Then the commentator goes, ready, fire. Is it, was it this yeah, game? Yeah, yeah, dude. It, it was him. He, he was the greatest, dude. I love those two guys. They, they both, they're both ESL, English as a second language. And they're just out there just saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Our buddy, uh, Wayne, the Englishman, absolutely hates him. As soon as he knew, he realized they were the commentators, he put it on mute. And I know a bunch of people have been tweeting about that too, but I'll take them over most of the Fox commentators. The only one I like is Stuart Holden. I, I'm a big fan of Stuart yeah, Holden. Because he, he played the game and got his legs broken by Johnny Evans. Well, so didn't Lawless. <laughs> well, oh, dude, there's no, I don't know why FS1 has the commentary. It was Arlo White. I don't get out of the way back. Yeah, where, where are all the Englishmen, dude? I know where's the, where's the NBC crew, man. Let's do it, man. Let's get Rebecca Lowe out there doing it. Graham Lasso, Lee Dixon. Those guys know what they're doing. And you see NBC doesn't mess around getting guys who never watched the game, getting women who never watched the game growing up. You can tell, man, when they're just reading from like a stat sheet versus having watched since the 90s and understanding some of the dynamics of the game. Dude, I think I think someone called Marcelo William. Or William yes. Marcello. Oh my and did, god! And they, and they didn't even correct themselves. Like you guys, you like you don't know anything that's going. Oh, wait, wait, dude! They just saw crazy. an afro and they freaked out. <laughs> dude, they, it's like they never watched anything until this World Cup. Maybe read one one spreadsheet, got the names down. But dude, like they're mispronouncing names. Dude, they confused Marcelo and. Whoa, and whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, don't don't try to take my my thing. Mispronouncing. Oh, mispronouncing. <laughs> oh, <this is> only- <laughs> See, but the difference is Fox is not paying you thousands and thousands of dollars to go on TV. And if they did, I'm sure you would get it right, bro. Oh, I would, I would have uh, I would have speech therapists. Anyway, the other the other game in this group, man, probably the the biggest com- you know comedy show so far in the tournament. Uh, Poland Senegal. 
Senegal walking out 2-1 victors in this, but there was absolutely no need for Poland to go down two goals to, to nothing. <laughs> absolutely no it. need, man. Chesney, what are you doing, son? Why you run out? Why you run out of your net? And in the first two, goal, own goal. What? Well, let, well, first things first. Let's go after both in in a way. Just saying that the Poland defense was horrendous. They're unorganized. There seems to be no com uh, communication between the defense and the midfields. Uh, there was there was no one uh, shifting, charging the ball in the first one. Someone just basically walked right into the midfield. No one stepped on. They took a shot. Yeah, get deflected. But you have to close down quicker than that. And the second goal, uh, what what is his name? Uh, uh, yeah. Krik no, no, no. Um, Krikoviak. Krikoviak. Yeah, Krikoviak. You're a midfielder. The ball is bouncing. Have a little composure. Pass it back to the right uh, right back. Why are you volleying it back to the, to the goalie? And then the, the center back um, – Kyanek, uh, there you he, go. Was, he was just he was jogging to the ball. He wasn't. Even, he looked over his left shoulder, then realized someone's coming over his right shoulder, and it was just everything about dude. the only. Well, dude, the only you, go ahead, Tiki. The guy to blame straight up is Krakowiak. You're in the opponent's final third, or just on the edge of the opponent's <laughs> final third, and he tries to pull a Tiki FIFA move, bro. Reset the play. You try to play a thirty. <laughs> No, not even 30. It was like a 50-yard back pass, basically. I can sort of forgive the Polish defender because the ref calling on that sub, the ref assumed, oh, Poland have it near Senegal's final third. There's absolutely no way they're going to kick it back to their goalie. And what does Poland do? Exactly what they're not supposed to. And now the ref catches heat. Polish fans are going nuts, saying the ref shouldn't let the player come on. Dude, the ball was way up the field. It was absolutely fine for him to come on. I love that sneaky move by Nyang, though. He comes on, he sees Kokoviak lining up to play that back pass, and he just sneaks up on that defender. But again, like Al said, Chesney, what are you doing, bro? I'm not even too mad about the Kokoviak back pass. I mean, it was sloppy. It was ugly, sure. Um, but yes, Chesney, why are you sprinting out like an idiot? Just stay in your net. You got a defender there to make it make it hard for him. And... Uh, to Sinok, uh, sound like Hussey, to the defender that was right in front of, right behind uh, Yang on that play. Dude, pull him down. Take the red. You know, Dude, it's that's, one that's, nothing. That's the game's so early. You got, you got three games left to play. Uh, it's this, you have a 30 minutes left in the game to get a goal. Pull that guy and down. Take the red. Dude, because, I mean, they had more possession. They had more shots. Poland didn't play a poor game. They had chances. They just couldn't finish. And they, were, they were very, very sloppy in front of that net. And the rule has been modified to where, like, if you're making a soccer play, it's a yellow card. Um, so it's, man, all you have to do, yeah, tug the shirt just to catch up a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're in a battle with the guy. We've done it in FIFA plenty of times. But, yeah, man, just to let him go clean through like that. And Chesney comes out and doesn't even take him out. Chesney should have fucking taken him out then. If the defender's not taking him out, Chesney, you just pretend you're going for the ball and just jump into the sky um, and just stop him. Stop him by any means necessary. But Pull that him was down, the dude, just bear hug him. That's all, that's all I can think of, man. Pull him down. Take the L. Take it, do it for your team. You still can make the last group game. I don't know. It's yeah, just, I mean, and then they get the one goal back. To, in, in the late stage, 85th minute to make it 1 1. Great free kick, great header. Um, but by that point, dude, it was done. It was done. And Poland looked defeated. 
Yeah, they did, man. And uh, Lewandowski, I don't even know if he was on the pitch. Lewandowski did his best messy impression. Um, didn't do a goddamn thing. Obviously, he had sniffs here and there. But for who he is for this top five fold we talk about, he's been picking a lot on these uh, on these German, uh, German players. But to be fair to him, he was a top goal scorer in qualifying. But if you look at who Poland played, you'll understand why he was the top goal scorer in qualifying. So... Dude, props They're, to Senegal, though, man. I love it. You know, Africa's been kind of struggling in this tournament. You know, Egypt's out, Nigeria bottom of the group. But to let, get Senegal, man, I see your boy Mane, you know, didn't have too much to do this game, but he can be an influence going forward. You know, now they have three points to none over Poland and, uh, Poland and uh, Jesus Christ, Colombia. Oh, Colombia, sorry. Yeah, I mean, who do you think is going to go through? Do you think both Japan and Senegal are going through? Do you think one of them are? It's wide open, man. I mean, this could turn, like I mean, Colombia is not out of this by any means. You know, they could come back. Japan could lose the next two. This, group, if, this group's a wild card. If for me, this was the group of death. You know, obviously there's no big names in here, but all these teams are, are just about evenly matched. You know, um, if Japan gets knocked out, it'll be a bit of a disappointment. Senegal, disappointment. Poland, Colombia. You know, disappointment, and you can almost see this group as flipped on its head. Poland and Colombia, technically, with the players they have, should be the two on top, and then the two on the bottom, dude. So, it this group I think is going to be the most exciting group to watch because you know Poland's got the talent to come out and whoop on Japan and Colombia, and vice versa. You know, Colombia's got the talent to whoop on them too. So, it's going to be wide open. I'm glad that Japan and Senegal, well, not Japan so much. I'm glad that Senegal came out and repped the Africans, bro. This was a really hard-fought game for them. And like you said, they weren't always in control of this game. They were always threatening here and there, but Poland was well in control, had the the better chances, in my opinion. And if it wasn't for those careless errors, I think this game would probably have ended 1-1. Well, if Japan and Senegal tie, or they draw, and then Poland and Colombia both also draw, there's a legit chance that Japan and Senegal both miss the getting out of the group if Poland and Colombia can beat the, the other teams, which would be Senegal and Japan. Uh, they just have to beat them by more than one goal. Yeah, for sure, man. That's the other advantage is that the goal difference isn't high. The goal difference is plus one, plus one, minus one, minus one. So that could be turned around easy with a 2 nothing victory. Um, so, yeah, this group is still wide open. And the, like I said, these teams are, in my opinion, the, the four most evenly matched teams in this World Cup. And by default, they're group of death for me. But there is no group of death, guys. There is I, if there's going to be a group of death, though, I agree with you. That, that would be it. Cool, man. So uh, this group ends. Uh, this group currently, like we said, Japan with three, Senegal with three, Poland, and uh, Colombia, 0-0. With Group B, the final group uh, for this review session, we got the man, the myth, the legend, the goat of all goats. He should have been the one with a goat photo shoot, but they canceled it because the goat was too ugly next to this chiseled, chiseled <laughs> god. We're talking CR7-1, Morocco 0. So did you hear about the goat, um, the, the story behind the goatee? We, we talked about it on the oh, last Okay, call. Maybe so, if you listen, bro, you'd yeah. learn. Mm, I, I listen. I listened straight from Cristiano's. No, you were you were in you were in rare form last episode. I don't think you heard anything anyone said. I was seeing, I was seeing red after uh, after fan, after fantasy got me going. Yeah, guys, if you haven't listened to to the previous episode, it's worth a listen, man. Hussy 
all fired up at FIFA.com for not getting their fantasy bullshit correct. I 100% agree with them. I don't know if I agree with that kind of tone. It sounded a little bit like he was, you know, standing on top of a podium yelling some stuff. But it was an absolutely fantastic listen. So go check that out. Go ahead. I was hoping hoping that they could actually hear me. Uh, So, look, with that that corner kick, we touched on it very, very briefly early with the – with the fouls in the box, um, Pepe, he goes across the box, takes out two defenders. Yes, they weren't technically in the play, but if they didn't get taken out, maybe they could have. One of them could have went backwards a couple steps and tried to head the ball out. And Cristiano was able to get m- plenty of space in that box. He wasn't marked, but how can you not? I mean, that's that's a very tough call to make actually as a referee. But Pepe flung himself and took out two defenders near post. Yeah, great you defending. see that? Great <laughs> defending. That's what Pepe's defending great at. An offensive look player. At, look at the scoreline, man. Portugal won one nil thanks to that play by Pepe. That's what this guy brings to the team. It's dirty. It's ugly. It's effective. You think VAR should have um, looked at that? No. Now that one, that one's a little that one's a little harder because he made it look like he, he at least made it look quote-unquote incidental. We all know Pepe. We know that wasn't an incidental contact. But it's not like he was running with two clotheslines, WWE style, or should I say WWF style when I used to watch it, um, knocking people out. You know, he just threw himself in there like a bowling ball. But even still, the two guys who he took out were not marking Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo has had his own man faked like he was going near post. The defender bit. And that's why Ronaldo had basically a three-yard radius of freedom around him. It was that fantastic little little uh, juke move he gave the defender. It was absolutely brilliant. I'd love to see Messi score a goal like that with his head. Dude, that header was – this guy's 33 years old. Like, yeah, that, that header was incredible. It was just – dude, he wanted it. That, I mean, it comes down to it. It's just such a, a stupid expression, but, dude, he just wanted that ball. More than anyone else on the field, and and he and, wants and with that and with that goal, he became the all-time leading goal scorer uh, in international play for Europe. Uh, surpasses Frank Puskas, whose record stood for about 40, 40 plus years. Legend. Um, now he's sitting on eighty-four goals, I believe, um, for for Portugal, which is a record for for him. Yeah, it's a record for international play, and the only one ahead of him is the guy from uh, like one hundred and nine from Saudi Arabia, I think. Uh, or Iran, me- messing that one up now. But, dude, there's only one person in world football that has more goals than Cristiano Ronaldo. Not Pele, not Maradona. Dude, like someone from, from Asia who played in bum-ass leagues who scored a bunch of goals. I think World Cup goals, yeah, because Pele has like 1,200 international. goals. Yeah, international. Yeah, yeah. Absolute beast, man. But, I mean, he, he, um, he read that play very well. The, the, the thought process that it takes Cristiano to see the ball in the air and to make that move is by far, I mean, second to none in the world. He's that good, and he has the power to outrun somebody, uh, to throw someone to the ground. Um, I just still, I'm still hung up on the the fact that that very well should have been a foul against Pepe, taking out two players. And to even say that they weren't even in the play, it doesn't matter. If there's someone that's in the far end of the field and they get slide tackled, it's still yeah, a foul uh, even if they're in a breakaway. I agree, but the difference is this is a corner, right? This is what I said VAR needs to address. That's what I'm I saying. I mean, there it's are guys being bear hugged, but like this is consistent. Like, had they called that, it would have been inconsistent because they consistently don't call bear hugs. We saw Harry Kane, literally, a guy had his two arms locked around him, dragging him down. 
and that wasn't called. So if Pepe runs into two players, I don't think that should be called either. Eventually, once they correct that, yeah, call it across the board. Don't pull a uh, a Mike Dean and call it one or two games Whenever a you year. Feel like it, yeah. yeah, like let's get it across. There's no more, you know, there's no more jostling and wrestling. There's too many gray areas, and I think there always will be. The penalties are now, I mean, almost completely locked down to VAR. Uh, I think it's just the corner kick grappling that needs to be to be brought to justice. Yeah, I mean, that's next. But that's, that's, that's the craziest thing, and there's so many people. You get, you know, 15 people in the box making crazy movements. As a referee, it's tough to see everything that goes on. Obviously, you look at, you know, the Diego Costas or the Pepe's because you know these guys are troublemakers, but you can't see it all. Um, I like it. It's part of the game. Portugal wins. I have them win the World Cup. Pepe. Cristiano, Pepe, and, games. Pepe and Sergio Ramos should just come out with a book saying, Life in Madrid, how to cheat and get away with it. Oh, he's such a baby. Speaking <laughs> like, <laughs> of Ramos. He's just butthurt because uh, cause, uh, he broke Salah's baby shoulder. No, no, I'm I'm just I'm, – I'm not butthurt, but I'm just kind of yeah, like – I'm lost a little butthurt. respect because he should have just been honest and said, yeah, well, I was kind of – yeah. Al, real quick before we, we shift gears. Yep. Morocco officially knocked out of the tournament. Man, and it was disappointing because this team – played with fire you know after they went down one nothing they turned it up a gear they did not go into their holes and if portugal continues to play like this aka just give it a cr7 and hold on they're not going to go far in this tournament this isn't the euros man this isn't the euros you need much more heart to win Dude, uh, this, a world game cup. Was, this game was dodgy man i agree uh not nearly enough i mean against spain they conceded three luckily they had christian bail them out uh, but they needed a, a spectacular free kick to do it. Um, yeah, they could be. They could be. They could be done round sixteen for all we know. You know, with with a bad loss, there's only for so sure. much. There's only so much one man can do. But yeah, credit to Morocco, man. Great showing. Another African nation out, which kind of sucks. But you know, they, I mean, I mean, no one really rolled over, so they they can do themselves proud, and they should have had something off Portugal. But now Portugal's tied on points with Spain, with a draw and a win. I mean, that, this was a massive win for Portugal. Like, if they didn't win this game, if they drew, could have been curtains almost uh, between them and, and Spain. I really sure, thought man. there was going to be a lot more creativity from Morocco on offense. I, I did. Uh, they have a left winger. Uh, how do you say it? Zaych? Um, Zaych. Zaych. I mean, he, he he showed some good plays, but, like, he wasn't as good as I thought he was going to be coming into this tournament. I thought he was going to be one of those breakout Young he, stars that no one really knew about. He would have been if they if Morocco played a run the way they played Portugal today, they would have ran a run into the ground. But remember, in our previous episode, we we're talking about how disappointed we are. We were at the lack of creativity and the lack of hunger Morocco showed, and I think it was just those big stage game one nerves. You know, you dream about playing the World Cup. Finally, it's here. Last thing you want to do is lose that game, and what happens? They lose that game anyway. But coming into Portugal, Hus, I disagree, man. This team was fire. Did they have that last bit of luck they needed? No, man. And there were some saves by uh, Rui Patricio that were absolutely Oh, special. a couple of good saves. Yeah, a couple of good saves by Rui. This Morocco team played Portugal off the pitch, man. Portugal just has the gods slash the god on their side. But if they had approached game one like this, man, they would have been fine. They would have probably been sitting on three points, you know, three points from Iran and maybe a loss here. They would have been still alive fighting for it. But you get what you get, man. If you're not brave, if you're not desperate from the first game, you usually make a quick exit. Egypt showed us that. 
Spain won, Iran zero. Another another team that's choking, man. Spain, so suspect. We brought it up earlier with the VAR. Bailed out. I mean, the, the, the Lino got it right. He raised his flag late. Not late, but, you know, made sure the guy was involved in the play. Question, though. Question to that. He called the offside. Why did they review it? Just in case he was wrong. So even okay, like yeah, it goes both it's, ways. It's so they can correct it now. It's like, dude, I'm not sure if I had that right. Look, the, the, upstairs, and and there's no, he didn't even run to the monitor on on this one. He had the headpiece and just waited for confirmation. Yeah, the only time he runs to the monitor is when they say, "Hey, man, there's a decision to be made here. Something went wrong." Oh, okay, if so nothing they need him to see it. Yeah, and if that ball didn't go in as a goal, it it would have never made it upstairs. But the thing is, it went in as a goal. So every single goal, just like the NFL with a touchdown, every single goal is reviewed. So when he was holding his ear and the players were yelling, he was like, look, they're reviewing it. If there's something we missed, then I'll run over and go look at it in the TV screen. But that was an obvious offside. I, I applaud the Lino, man. That was a crazy I mean, call, dude. It, dude, it was absolutely insane. But to be fair, I, I think if that guy wasn't there, the guy was offside. So the header... Um, hit off a player who was in an offside position. If he wasn't there, I think that ball's going out of bounds. So it really was the right call for the for the lino to make. But before we before we jump to that, let's let's go back to to this dude Diego Costa, the Brazilian sensation, out there Stupid doing it for the Spaniards. So silly. Rebound McGee, man. Defender kicks it off his shin into the net. That's a goal. Uh, didn't know anything about it. But a goal's a goal. He's happy. They celebrated. I mean, it could have been an own goal. It was so stupid, man. I mean, without that goal, it's zero zero. You know, credit to Iran, man. I mean, they're sitting on four points now, right behind Spain and Portugal. They play Portugal next. And they could cause an upset against Portugal. The way Portugal's playing, the way Spain's playing, they could cause an upset against Portugal in the next game. Absolutely agree, man. And Spain, like Uruguay, have not come out of first or second gear, man. And I don't understand why with all these plays, is it is it the arrogance of knowing, you know, on paper they have one of the best teams in the world? Is it the the burnout, you know, from winning a previous World Cup, you know, only two two World Cups ago? Is it because most of these players have played forty plus, fifty plus games because they all go far in tournaments? It's a it, it could be a lot of things, man. But at the end of the day, you're Spain and the world is watching, and they're not playing like Spain at all, man. Iran. Dude, we got Gerard Pick out there trying to one-on-one, getting megged by an Iranian, bro. <laughs> I mean, did you – Over the hill. Were, Iran was so close to making an upset here, and I'm so proud of the effort they put in. I hope they can uh, – I mean, I love Portugal and CR7, but I hope, I hope, man, they can get a bit of reward for the heart they showed against Spain. I mean, I, I think Iran has proven doubt is wrong. They, they played outstanding. Uh, they didn't have any shots on net, but they did come very close. They had that um, the one we said where he got made. Uh, it was a cross. They they missed, but it was the volley on the left side. I forget which minute it was, where they just missed maybe by a yep. foot. Yep. That could have been a game changer altogether. And with Diego Costa, to say that it was lucky, yeah, to a point, but you make your own luck because Costa, that is the type of player that he is. He 100%. gets in there. He caused – havoc time and time again and that goal right there is what chelsea missed this year Absolutely. this type of player he just busts down the uh the defense and guess what if you kick it off him 
it still goes in. It is what it is. This is the type of player that Spain sort of needs, but also needs other players on the Spain roster to step up their, their um, not their physicality, but that little extra energy. Because, look, this is an older team. The average age of the starting 11 is probably 30. I mean, you're 29 at least. This is an older team. So when I, Iran is just running down their throats, yes, they, Spain had the possession, but there's been times that, like, they, Iran had this flair, like we saw with the Meg, that Spain is like, oh, crap. Uh, it, it, this, I think they'll step out of it, but it's getting kind of scary because at one point I thought Iran was going to take this game, and that means Spain was not going to make it out of the group. Dude, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm absolutely disappointed with David Silva. Um, hasn't done jack shit. Um, I haven't seen any tricky balls that he plays like when he's at Man City. I haven't seen him beat players, you know, not necessarily with speed, but with a slick turns and a slick movement. He's showing to the ball, so it's not from a lack of effort, but where's the production, man? Iniesta's an old man now. You can't, you guys can't be relying on Iniesta to be pulling strings. Isco, I see Isco taking people on. There's a bit of hunger about him, but again, there's no end product. Diego Costa, we've seen him dribble through three or four guys with the ball bouncing off his shin, his elbow, his his knee, and he somehow he finds uh, finds the ball on the other end. So I'm not surprised he got that kind of goal. But where's the rest of Spain? A guy like Asensio, man. If I'm the manager, Asensio comes in. He should start the next game, or, yeah. or Iniesta. He has to, dude. Just the energy. And Iniesta played a role in the goal, though. I mean, he, he's still doing his part. He he came off. He subbed off. But uh. Yeah, Lu Lucas Vasquez needs to come out and put on a Senzio, someone with you know dynamic abilities and you know crazy skill. Put him on somewhere, someone exciting. Um, Agreed, man. A, a quick, quick highlight to that corner kick that Spain had, where they played it short. Uh, East Coast corner played it short on the goal line. Pass back to Ramos, great strike, played off the line by Iran. Dude, that was um, unbelievable. That little scramble where the guy yeah. just threw his body yeah, down and just on the sat ball. down, dude. Dude, I was expecting. I'm so proud of Costa, man. Because he was in there as well, swinging his foot. I thought he was in Costa old school mode or Chelsea mode, where I thought he was going to stomp someone um, and pretend to go for the ball. But he kept it clean, man. He just swung, tried to hit the ball, missed, and then pulled out. So, I mean, when when you guys talked about starting a new, uh, different player, I definitely agree with you. I wouldn't start Asensio, though. I'd be starting Koke. Uh, I, I, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, That's it. End of podcast. What? <laughs> I'd be that's blasphemy. Him. That's blasphemy, bro. No, no, it's not. No, he, he he's he's a great player. Um, I think he should start for Silva, and then bring Silva on probably 60th minute for Iniesta. Those are two players that are getting. They're Dude. definitely in the twilight of the career, and you, they don't have the legs to run and run and run to keep up with younger teams. For me, the problem is Spain outside of Isco have no one that beats people one on one. I know Vasquez got that speed, and sometimes he does it from Madrid. He's got work he's rate. Not he's, he's a grapper. Exactly. He, he works, and he defends, and he, he's very simple. Exactly. Asensio scores goals from 40, scores goals from up close, takes people on. You need a bit more direct speed out of that midfield, someone who can turn and run at the defense and allow Costa to stretch the field, man. But with Tiki Taka guys like Iniesta and Silva and Busquets, Yes, you have a lot of possession and control, and yes, you'll generate your opportunities once in a while, but sometimes you just need to ram it down the opponent's throat. That's how you keep them honest because now they're afraid to attack because as soon as they attack, it's going to a sense he was going to beat one guy and then break your defense apart, 
or Isco on the other side, who's a bit of a magician as well. But if it's going to David Silva, he's had a long season. He was never known for his one-on-one abilities. Iniesta, the same thing. Busquets, even more so. You're going to have a bit of a stalemate in that mid where you have a lot of control but no real progression. Uh, Al, are you looking at the box scores right now? For what? For this game. Because uh, I didn't know if you could say uh, the second substitution last name. Do you see that? For for Spain? No, no. For Iran. Uh, yeah. El Reza Jacob Jacob Did we talk about this guy already? Jahan Bakash. Yeah, we we showed yeah, him. We did. Okay. That's what Jahan I thought. I I knew the the K H S H at the end of the name really. Uh, <laughs> like, what? Dude, I think that was in our World Cup preview with Snack. Okay. Maybe the episode before. Hussie, like, Hussie, yeah, you know. Jahan. I, I, I think I think I. Jahan you guys had to even try to sound it out or something. It looked familiar, but I just looked at it real quick. And I was just like, oh my goodness, no chance. <laughs> how, about, how about the other guy, Gooch Anahad? It's G H O O C H A N N E. J H A D. You almost ran out of letters in the alphabet for this guy. Legendary. Yeah, it could be worse. His last name could be Hussey. Yeah, right. If he no, no, if his last name was Hussey, he would be starting. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, that <laughs> flat on his face. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. We'll have another review for you guys in the next couple of days uh, to probably wrap up the group stage of this tournament. It's been an absolutely fantastic World Cup. Good to see England pushing on. Like Huss said earlier, we are an English Premier League-focused podcast, so we tend to lean on the side of the English. So does most of the world. Um, But thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Leave your comments um, on our Facebook, on our Twitter, uh, all over the place, social media. Keep on downloading. Keep telling your friends. We appreciate it. Anything else before we go, guys? Uh, one thing I forgot to mention during the Portugal game, uh, Rui Patricio looks to be signed, or he did sign for the Wolves, for the EPL. Uh, uh, no, back. it's just Wolves. It's just Wolves. wolves. It's not the Timberwolves. The Wolves. Uh, <laughs> the Wolves. <laughs> but uh, that's a great signing uh, for anyone that doesn't know what's going on in Portugal right now with Sporting. Look that up because that's crazy. Between Dude. the director and the fans charging the team and, like, you know, players getting injured. They're they're all just canceling their contracts right now, and guys, they're trying to go with the other teams. House, real. I mean, that's a big left turn. Real quick, guys, if you haven't looked this up, this is insane. This is almost like Tony Tony Montana running a club. So the sporting director of is it the sporting director, the president of Sporting? You guys will have to look that up. Um, basically, is annoyed at how weak Sporting has looked this season as far as their heart, the way they played to the point where it's alleged it's alleged that he got a mob of sporting fans like basically sporting ultras to jump the team at their training facility um there are pictures online of players with like bumps and bruises so he got like i think it was like a group of 50 freaking fans went to the training facilities and beat the shit out of the fa- uh, out of the players something we've all felt you know at times when <laughs> when we feel like oh these players aren't working as hard as they should but something that should never ever happen because this is just a sport at the end of the day you know it's not it's not this crazy war but yeah Huss, great point man look that up sporting is absolutely falling apart right now with this guy in charge so crazy crazy football story thanks for bringing that up us 
All right, guys. We'll catch you soon. Peace. Later. Later.